we're just now getting to the point too. I talk about the change in the culture. Extroverts really haven't had the pain, David, haven't had the challenges, the uphill battle, right? Being in cultures that really reward being out there, being type A, you know, coming up with that idea first. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. Welcome to the show. So excited to have you with us. We have a guest who I think is going to be intriguing, and I have to say I am personally invested in hearing what she has to say. Jennifer Conweiler, PhD, is our guest today, and she's among the top global leadership speakers on introverts. She's written several books on the subject. She's been a learning and development professional and leadership speaker at organizations like Merck, NASA, the American Chemical Society, Freddie Mac, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, and the American Management Association. She's been named a, a certified professional speaker by the National Speakers Association and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and Fortune. And she's written, like I said, many books on the subject, but today we want to talk about her new book, Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces, How to Unleash Everyone's Talent and Performance. Jennifer, thank you so much and for being here and welcome to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. Oh, David, I love the title of your podcast too. And thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. It's, it's really an honor. Well, I, I am, I, like I said, I am looking forward to our conversation because if anyone listening to the show at this point, after however many episodes we've done, doesn't know, I am an introvert. Uh-huh. So it'll be a fun conversation to get some of your insights on creating introvert-friendly workplaces. But before we go there, I would like to ask you to take us back to what, and tell us about your earliest memory of yourself as a leader. Ah, as a leader, I guess I think back about childhood and I, uh, I always like, I was always a helper, David. That's kind of where I was drawn. So I would be the person that my friends would come talk to, you know, about their problems. Um, I, I just always wanted to, knew that somewhere, I mean, the, the, the books that I was drawn to were books like when my parents would give me like biographies to read or we go to the library, I would just pick people, a lot of times women in retrospect, you know, looking for models like Jane Addams of Whole House. Like, I don't know if I wanted to save the world, but I knew that there was a need out there to help. So I kind of came at it from, I wanted to support people, help them. And then I learned later in, you know, going into more leadership quote, type roles, that helping is a part of that. In fact, it's a big part of it, being a coach and a support person. So that was kind of where I came into it. I think always, you know, I did the the counselor thing. I was, those, those were the kind of roles that I was drawn to. So the help and support aspect of leadership was your initial foray. Exactly, exactly. And my values, the values in my family, my, um, my dad was a writer, um, a, a screenwriter, and, and also my mom did a lot of volunteer work. And they were, and my dad's work was a lot around social justice and um, and uncovering sort of inequities and things. And he would write dramas about that. And he always said to my sister and I, you know, make a contribution. That's what you're about is helping others. So it was really drawn and it went in other parts of my family too. So I think the values were instilled early too. So that really kind of shaped it, uh, shaped it for me. I didn't really call it leadership until I kind of got into my profession more. So, 
Fantastic. Well, you can see the early roots of the person that you've come to be. And, you know, in that vein of helping people, you describe yourself uh, as an extrovert, but as a champion for introverts. Yes. And so I'm curious, what led you to become that champion? It's certainly in line with who you just described yourself as a young person, but what does it mean for you to be a champion of introverts? Well, you know, I was working uh, a lot in technology and areas where the engineers would come up to me. I remember this one guy one day said, I'll never be a leader. I was teaching a leadership class uh, a number of years ago. And I remember saying to him, and I wrote about this in the book, it's like, Sean, no, I was trying to give him the pep talk. No, you can be a leader and look at all these you know, famous leaders like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, and I named some other uh, experienced, successful leaders. And he said, yeah, but in my company, nobody moves like me. You know, nobody acts like me. The environment, basically, he was saying, didn't support me. So, you know, that was one of the many stories that I had, David, that, you know, when I was doing coaching and speaking and training like you do, you know, you're struck by certain themes that emerge. And that was one that kept coming up. And it was usually the people that were the quieter ones or the ones that you know, I always say have the loudest minds, but perhaps the quietest voices. And so I think coming along with being an advocate for those people, how I got into HR roles and leadership development, speaking up for the people that weren't getting the recognition and uh, letting their voices come in the room in any way that, that really they wanted to express themselves and not uh, make it just the extrovert way. So it, it really did transfer through a lot of the roles that I had that I just kept, I had that lens to look through. And of course, I was also married to an introvert early on. I've got a very long marriage with my husband, Bill, who's, and I write about him as being, you know, many of us, and I find my clients too, are affected and influenced by our, our families and, and trying to figure out those different personalities and make it work without uh, killing each other sometimes, <laughs> without, you know, to say, to put it bluntly, to try to figure them out. And by having that lens early on in my in my work of uh, understanding a little more about how introverts and extroverts function, it certainly helped me. And I think I would say it helped our relationship. But then when I transferred that into the workplace, it was very um, uh, reinforcing and validating for me, but even more so for my clients who would start to embrace who they really were and not have to uh, you know, change into somebody else and realize it was okay. Well, let's define terms a little bit. We've already been banding about extrovert, yeah. introvert, and so on. And, and those are words that mean a lot of things to different people, but we have very specific meanings for those terms. And I know that you do in the work that you're, you're doing and how leaders yeah. understand these to be able to build workplaces that incorporate everybody's talent and performance. So what do you mean by these terms? Right. And, you know, it does vary. You're absolutely right. And as we learn more about this topic, as time goes on, people have different views. I myself have been working in the area for 12 years and I've, my definition has morphed some, but getting back to what it really is about, it's about two things. It's about energy and where you get your energy and and introverts. And this goes back to Carl Jung, the psychologist in the early 1900s, who first came up, who first coined the term introvert. And he said, introverts really do get their batteries charged by being in their heads and by taking quiet time and by deep reflective thinking. And extroverts are charged up by being out in the world. And since that time, the other aspect of that that I said that kind of relates to it is stimulation. Like I'll, I'll say to people, how much, like what's your, your, you know, the most stimulation you can have. And I'll say to an extrovert, Uh, Do you need time to recharge? 
after you've had a whole day of meetings or been with con in conversations on Zoom, et cetera. And they'll say, and the extrovert will say, yeah, I get kind of tired, you know, I need a break. But you'll hear from an introvert, it's absolutely essential, David. And I guess I could check that with you. It's like, they don't even, it's a no brainer. They don't even have to think about it. They say, if I don't have that, I get terribly stressed out terribly stressed out. Now the extrovert might get stressed out, but it might be a few days after, let's say what we call uh, that flame keeps going and going, and then they might crash. But it is also a spectrum, David. Some people actually claim the term ambiverts. I find not a lot, you know, like ambidextrous say that, but, but I would say most of us, it's like a bell curve. Think about it as a bell curve. Most of us cluster sort of somewhere towards the middle, David. So we're not an outlier. I mentioned the kind of ingest a flaming extrovert. Or on the other side, if we think about introverts being hermits, I have a friend who's extremely introvert. She said, I'm a hermit entrepreneur. So they'll <laughs> claim that term. <laughs> they'll claim that term. So it is in summary, just about, you know, about energy and it's about stimulation. And so using the term introvert, we're talking about folks who recharge typically by being alone and, and as you said, thinking, being in their head, so on. And from a stimulation standpoint, can handle stimulation. It's not that we can't handle stimulus, speaking mm -hmm. on behalf of all introverts, but not that they can't handle stimulation, but that yeah. it's in there's got to be time to recharge in between those those moments of stimulation, far more than an extrovert who tends to thrive off of it. And we'll need a break, but not as many or as frequently. Yeah. And the break, let's just clarify, the break is really for the time to get re-energized. But what I found in my research in, uh, in all of the books that I've written and all of the, the interviews I've done and questionnaires, it tends to be about uh, getting creative inspiration, thoughts going deeper depth versus breath. So that quiet time is absolutely needed to just take a breath. But I find, and David, you can, you can validate this or not, um, and I always like to validate with the introverts in the room, <laughs> right, is it's about, you know, also that's where the most creative thoughts appear is when you take the breaks. And I think the positive news now, not to get too off what we're talking about with, the, with this time that we're doing this interview, which is, you know, sort of what, eight months, nine months, I've lost track into the pandemic. <laughs> you know, we have extroverts now are really starting to appreciate that other side of themselves. Like we all have both within us and they're taking the time to get back to maybe some meditation, taking quiet walks. And they're saying to me, I'm hearing from friends and from colleagues, you know, and clients, they're saying, you know, actually slowing down is, is actually pretty good. <laughs> I'm finding benefits from it. There are, there are benefits both ways, right? As we can tap into both mm -hmm. sides of, of who we are and what we totally. have to offer. Totally. I'm curious your perspective, Jennifer, on uh, one other aspect of this introversion, extroversion um, uh, continuum, which is the, the processing. My understanding is that yeah. introverts tend to process internally, extroverts tend to process externally, not universally, not always, but, right. and that of course would have ramifications for how we work together and make decisions and, and so on. Do you find that to be the case or is that? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I didn't say about the extroverts, they download, they talk, they download as one called it to me. They think, think about things and get clearer on what they're thinking by speaking. So the introverts are in quiet. Think about that. And we talk about related to work, you know, you're going on a project team and somebody's just sort of riffing and brainstorming out loud. 
And as the introvert, one of your skills, one of the strengths of introverts is they listen really well. So that's another thing that I wrote about when I looked at what makes these pairs work really well, these opposite pairs, because I talked about, you know, it's, it can be very frustrating when you're trying, as you say, you know, to really be thinking deeply and then the extroverts kind of riffing and you're trying to think, are they really, do I really need to listen to this or should I just be sort of a sounding board? And so as we know, as we share with our, all of our leader clients is, you know, you just, we just need to bring the elephant out into the room and say what we need and not assume that they know that just like right now, I just need you to sit there and listen. I'll say that to my husband a lot. He's happy to listen, but is, if he has to really listen, if he has to respond, then I should usually email him, David, and find I get better response. <laughs> oh, I'm laughing so hard. So my wife, Karen, who listeners also know, is definitely on the extrovert side of this dynamic. And all of these things play out in our relationship, in our workplace, as they do for, for leaders and teams all over the world. And so talk to us about, you know, okay, we've got this separation, this different ways of processing, of gaining energy, of, of making decisions and thinking and, and all of it. As a leader listening to this program right now and thinking about, okay, I've got work, I got to get done, everything else. Why should I care? I mean, we need to do what we need to do. Why should I be concerned or, or be thinking about this particular aspect of differences in, in people? That's a valid question. Uh, why should it be on the top of mind of, of leaders? And, and I'll tell you why, David, because what we know is that between 40 and 60% of most of your workplaces will be made up of introverts. And if you think about the impact of that, if you're, we're not doing everything we can to flex to different personality styles, then uh, not only are we creating disengagement, kind of just shut people just shutting down, uh, but in addition to that, we are losing incredible innovations and talents and perhaps the next cure for cancer. I mean, to take it that far, you know, I mean, it is the, the implication and from a basic cost savings, of course, too, and productivity, we, we don't even need to say that. But it's, it's interesting because you, you mentioned, I think you referred to sort of diverse viewpoints or diversity, and it's just now starting to be seen this topic of introversion, extrovert temperaments um, as an element of diversity. It's kind of neurodiversity, how people think, their styles. And I'm very pleased about that. I think we're at the beginning of this discussion and dialogue to try to make more of the case for it, just as other elements of diversity have been at, in, at different points, right? So um, yeah, so it's, it's, I think there's a, many, many reasons and hopefully that answers what you're saying for for leaders, and by the way, many leaders are introverted themselves. Let's not forget that, right? Absolutely. You know, there are leadership strengths to be had from all sides of that continuum, and it's recognizing your own and then drawing that out in others. Absolutely, and I, and I do want to say the self awareness is key. That's where we all have to start, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, you know? recognizing how you're coming across, and I know as an introvert and as a, a leader in all different levels from. Mm -hmm frontline team leader all the way through as an executive, uh, you know, I had a tendency and I would hear, see this come out in 360 feedback and so forth, that people needed to hear from me more than they were sometimes mm -hmm. because I was processing internally and didn't feel the need to go and interact for my own sake. And so I wasn't for their sake, but it wasn't about 
getting, giving them what I needed. It was about providing what they needed to be effective. And so that yeah. self-awareness you're talking about is critical. Yeah. So were you able to shift and, and do that more? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Having that awareness again. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I would make it a task. If it didn't come naturally, you can still, there are lots of different ways to flex and use the strengths of your personality to meet other people. So if you're, a, a, exactly. as you describe a flaming extrovert who just loves people, you know, you can use that strength to, you know, allow some of the things that need to happen for people to come through. And if you're a more of a, a task oriented introvert and you love your checklist, well, use a checklist to meet people where they are. They, they absolutely. What you, what you're describing is what I found in the introverted leader. I actually took that lesson and we put it into a model called the four P's and it really suits the introverted leader process, which is to prepare to have presence and be in the moment. So you prepare for that conversation on that day and you go and have it. And by the way, you do it in a one-on-one -on -one conversation rather than necessarily with all the team. I mean, you vary your strategies and then you push. The third P is push. You have to kind of push yourself a little to discomfort, but your, your team appreciates that so much. And you, the fourth is practice where you continually refine and, and you're nodding right now. And that's the kind of what came, I was just reflecting back what I was hearing from many Davids, right? About how you, and I was so impressed with that intentionality. And in, in the work that I shared with introverted leaders, that was the thing they gravitated to because there was a process that you could, and I'm sure you have found that in your own work with culture. Oh, without a doubt. You're, you're making me think back to a relationship I had when I was in a role as a chief operating officer. And I had a head of learning and development who was an extrovert we had a great working relationship, at least from my perspective. And I think she would say the same thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the, the understandings that we, we, we worked together for many years, but one of the things that we came to was, and I think she developed this, but then I kind of met her halfway. She would come to me and say, so listen, I've got this particular thing that needs to, to be done, talked about. And she would then ask, do you have 30 seconds, two minutes, 10 minutes or more? <laughs> and she I would love that. with me as to what I had available in that moment. But the flip side of that was that I learned that for her, every couple of weeks, I needed to take a cup of tea or coffee, tea in my case, to her office. I would go to her turf yeah. and say, hey, how are things going? Tell me about X, Y, Z. And I would just drink my tea and listen. I mean, actively listen, not just passively, but actively listen for half an hour, 45 minutes. And so there's that give and take both directions that I think make those relationships work. Totally. And, and giving, right, giving her, you some guidance on how to communicate with her sounded very helpful. And that's what successful introverted leaders do. Um, and so we have a little work to do on the extrovert side. <laughs> she, was, she was a great example of how to do it and how to help structure the conversation and make it work for her. But we're just now getting to the point too, I talk about the change in the culture. Extroverts really haven't had the pain, David, haven't had the challenges, the uphill battle, right? Being in cultures that really reward being out there, being type A, you know, coming up with that idea first. So it, you know, it, it had, I haven't, we really haven't seen the interest so much from extroverts, but that again, I think the, uh, the tide is turning. Um, I tend to be an optimist, so. Well, and you're a champion too. You have to be an optimist to be a you're right. You do, you do exactly. Walk us through then at the at the big picture level, Jennifer. When we talk about 
creating introvert friendly workspaces? What would be some of the pillars at the treetop level? How do we do this? Yeah, that's great. So, you know, we looked at seven different areas. That's what I would really ask people to consider. First of all, anybody can be a change agent, no matter. And I know you write about that in your culture book, which I love. Um, anybody can be a change agent. So what we want to look at is really taking a, um, a very careful look around us and saying, you know, the practices, there were seven areas of the organization that I suggested that people consider um, and that where there are po- what I'm calling pockets of inclusion, uh, where introvert friendly practices are happening. So examples would be one of those seven pillars is, is hiring, is, is talent management. Leadership is another one. What are leaders doing to model and to uh, encourage introverts to speak up and to be included? Um, another one was how do we design the, the, work set, the workplace structure? So whether we're, and there was another one around remote work. So the workplace office, as well as remote work, which is very timely right now. And there were several others that we put learning and development that all, we wanna look at them through the lens of um, of how we could be including everybody, particularly introverts. So those were the seven areas that we, and then we gave them, we give some strategies for how you can be a change agent to do that. Well, I'd like to dive a little deeper on two of those, um, perhaps uh, teams and remote work. And right. okay. uh, we'll come back to remote work, but just want to talk about uh, bringing introverts into teams and making that dynamic work. And I'm thinking of a counter example here. So when I was in college, I was a part of a leadership group that in hindsight, didn't know this at the time, didn't understand my discomfort, but had a massive extroversion bent to it. Mm. And so that was the default. It was the culture and there would be these activities and they'd even kind of be called bonding activities, but they were all about talking in groups and getting it and so forth. And it was exhausting and felt inauthentic. And, and I wish I had had the knowledge I have now because I missed out on something then that would have been good in that moment, but I didn't know any different. And the people who had structured it didn't know. And so it's a missed opportunity all the way around. Exactly. I'm curious as you look at what successful leaders do to bring introverts and extroverts together on teams what would you tell us? Well, one of the things you want to do is be intentional about these types of activities and des- program designs. And being intentional is, again, asking that question about, is this going to, you have to understand, right, what introverts need and want, what extroverts need and want, how they do their best thinking. And so just as an example of a program, like you described, David, you would then uh, think about, well, the design of the program. I mean, that's a simple fix, right? You maybe build in time for people to have quiet reflection time before they're speaking up, or you put in some breaks where they can recharge. I mean, there are tactical things you can do once you have that knowledge. And going back to what we said earlier, you have to first start with the knowledge of yourself and your own biases, because those can be very insidious. And where that really shows up a lot in not in your own biases is in the hiring and a promotion of introverts. Because we hear from people things like, well, you know, he wasn't the kind of guy, he might've been qualified, but he wasn't the kind of guy I wanna have a beer with. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that too. And then asking ourselves the questions, is that really necessary for the, you know, these competencies are required for the job. Is it really necessary that he be all affable? Because I talked to a number of senior leaders who had said, had they not advocated for some of the quieter 
influencers in their organization or performers, then they would have missed an incredible opportunity. And in a number of cases, and David, you may have seen this, witness this as well, they then rose up to, to very senior leadership positions or influential positions. So we have to take a look at you know, our own biases, the intentionality of our programs. And then the third thing I think, we have a number of ideas, but the third, one third thing that I think um, really is really relevant is to just be aware in the moment. You know, all of us are going through right now a lot of um, deep reflection about our own bias. I know I am since all of the events of this year with uh, social, racial un unrest. And sometimes I'll just catch myself in the moment, right? Because I have some awareness now thinking, oh, this is, I really shouldn't say that. Or, you know, I'll, I'll make decisions about actions to take based on my awareness. And so I have seen things where people will speak up in a meeting, for instance, and because they know about introversion, they'll say, you know what? There's like three people we haven't heard from yet. And I'd really like to hear what they have to say. Now that might happen just organically, but if you're aware of who's participating in your sessions and maybe you don't necessarily wanna call them out, but you wanna use the chat, you know, there's other strategies to bring out the best in introverts, but having that knowledge of yourself, of what introversion is about, of how we're um, you know, planning and intentional, and then finally being aware in the moment um, can really make you a change agent and make a real difference and have the kind of get the kind of emails I and many of my advocates get every day about people appreciating us for kind of getting the word out there, you know. So it's and now you are David, so <laughs> you are too. Absolutely. And we're talking with Jennifer Conweiler, uh, the author of Creating Introvert Friendly Workplaces, and. You know, we've been talking about some of the differences between introverts and extroverts, why they are important, how you can help uh, create that more introvert friendly workplace and the benefits of doing so. You know, and as you were talking, I'm thinking about some of the ways, uh, you know, it's not an either or. It's not just doing, you know, only writing activities for to accommodate introverts right. and reflect and then all of that can be helpful if we write it first and then have the discussion, everybody is on an equal footing. People have had time to reflect and now the extroverts can think it out by talking it out and the introverts can bring their thinking to the table. And they, so it's not an either or, it's a, it's a both and, but I'm wondering, and I know that you talk about this in the book and so I definitely wanna take a little bit deeper dive here. Wondering about remote work. Mm. How do how do we create an introvert friendly workplace in terms of remote work, or is it more introvert friendly to begin with, or what are some of the challenges or opportunities that you're seeing? You use the word both and or those two words. I think that really fits here. You know, when I when I did the research for remote work in the book, um, the statistics actually were very encouraging. We had sixty percent um, of companies and I and I, or individuals who came from companies, and I had over two hundred and forty primarily introverts fill out the survey. They said that remote work was acceptable in their company. So we were seeing a change. Now, what we were seeing before was one or two days a week the most. And the research was saying it made a difference. It made a difference to introverts, made a difference to extroverts, but particularly introverts, uh, because they could get that time just to you know, be away from people and just kind of not have those interruptions, which was one of the top uh, negatives that I discovered <laughs> about, not, no surprise, 
about those workplaces that had been increasingly getting more, more dense, people on top of each other, more just the permission to just stop by and chat. You know, that was extremely infuriating. <laughs> so on the positive side, having remote work does in, I'll qualify it for a number of people, it is very positive. If you're a woman home with a parent or a parent father home with kids doing remote school right now, it's not always the best, right? It's, it's very frustrating because we have that other dynamic about it. So, you know, I think things have changed as I've checked in with some of my clients from the beginning of this whole experience with COVID. And now um, I am getting some themes now and we're get, reading about this in the literature about uh, loneliness and disconnection. Because what, what I discovered in, uh, for introverts is that um, they, it's not like they want to be antisocial. Introverts are not like that. In fact, many of our friends now are at work. So yeah, we can replicate that some. And I think a lot of companies are doing a really great job with technology and using Slack in a lot of different ways. And we're getting more comfortable with Zoom and different virtual platforms. So I'm actually seeing people be more transparent in some of those meetings. You know, we're learning how engagement activities, that kind of thing. But I don't think it replaces and I'll talk about my own personal experience, into, you know, face-to-face. Uh, -face. There is some advantage to the collaboration and the social socialization. So the last thing I'll say on that is that what, we've, what we found in the workplaces that worked and, and workplace design experts who I interviewed said this, that it's the spontaneous collaboration that occurred, you know, AKA, or whatever they say, for example, uh, Steve, Steve, uh, uh, Jobs' example is always used about at Pixar when people would just walk by and they would structure it so that people would run into each other and come up with these brilliant creative <laughs> ideas. Well, that happened on multiple levels in many companies. And I don't know if you found that too, that just at the coffee bar and you're thinking of something and even not just contributing, but hearing, hearing as you're walking by or at your cube and you're hearing something, you know, then it's like, oh, it puts my work in context. Mm. So introverts would say, yeah, those, some of the inter interruptions weren't so bad because, you know, I did connect with people. So I don't think, again, we can generalize, although I think we did learn that we can do remote work and that we should consider introversion as an aspect of that. For sure. And I, you bring up the loneliness issue. And I think that that's a, uh, an aspect of introvert personalities that's important to to call out is that yeah. uh, introverts, most of them, you can't speak monolithically about these things like people. And I know that I like people. I love people. And I seem like a really nice guy. You know, definitely, <laughs> definitely want to have those conversations. My preference, right. of course, in a large gathering, I would rather talk to one or two people all night at a, mm -hmm. for an hour or two uh, or longer and have, you know, go deep on some interesting subjects. And that's wow. the way that I interact where somebody else might like to work the room and talk to everybody. And, and both of those are, it's all good. Right. But oh, they're just good. different, different ways of being. So we are all hurting introvert or extrovert right now. Everybody is hurting from we miss this each other. We miss Absolutely. each other. Yeah. And if you've had been like me, if you've had any small chances to connect with people, like yesterday I had a lunch with a dear friend and oh my gosh, it was so much more meaningful. You know, we, we made all the precautions and everything, but we appreciate that now. And I think when we go back, whatever that's gonna look like, I think we're gonna appreciate it more. I really do. And I think we're learning a lot about ourselves. 
Well, if we're reflecting, right, we have to do that work too to learn learn what we can learn. Yeah, if we watch Netflix all day, that's probably not going to be the way to do it. Without <laughs> oh, a doubt. <laughs> Well, Jennifer, thank you so much. I, I'm curious uh, if somebody's listening right now and they're thinking, you know what, I have not been sensitive to the differences um, in my team members. Mm-hmm. And I recognize what you're saying. And I recognize, gosh, there is some of that thinking, there is that value there. If I can help to incorporate that and create a more introvert friendly workplace which ultimately I would think is also an extrovert friendly workplace in the end, I think. Right. Well, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. if I'm a leader who's wondering how to do that, what is the first practical thing you would recommend that I do? First practical thing I would say, now, are you saying that that person has gotten knowledge about introversion? That's, that's kind of the basic understanding. Another read, read all the books. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, they need to understand what it is and isn't. And just, we have, you need to widen our mind and get rid of some of the um, misinformation, if you will, that an introvert, there's some bad negative stuff. I talked about bias. So uh, let's just assume that that person has that under, basic understanding. They, they went to a class or they read a book, an article. So they kind of, oh yeah. Or they talked in their family where it's happening, discussions are happening. So, and then what we need to do is, is, um, if we're trying to really understand introverts, particularly, we need to find out like who they are, right? And ask and look around and observe. And just like we would with everybody on our team, get to know that person, get to know that individual person, um, find out how they like to be communicated with both ways, right? Um, when they do their best work, how it, it, just like we would ask with anybody, but have that sensitive lens about introversion that will make a difference. Um, there's a tool that I have in the book, uh, David, that I didn't make up. It is called the user manual and you could, you could Google it. Actually, Google uses it in other companies and it's, you can make it your own. It's, it's how I like to work. My user manual. It's so simple. What a, con- what a brilliant concept though. It's a cool concept. I remember when I uh, was first promoted into a, an executive role, uh-huh. one of our human resource, one of our talent management folks said, I'm going to do this for you and help put together this user manual because you're going to have more people that don't know you yet at the same level. And Perfect. what an incredible tool that is. I definitely recommend that. What did you find was the result of using that? Did it help you? It definitely helped. It, uh-huh. it, I think it, I don't know that it helped me per se, as much as it helped other people well, that's right. know how to be as effective and influential as they wanted to be with me. So I think it shortened that learning curve. I mean, I, I would like to give myself the benefit of it out, of course, and say, oh, I was always, you know, being super sensitive and all of that. But the reality is you're not, nobody is. And if you've got that manual, that's helping people to learn your style and you're learning other people's styles, I mean, can't help, but to it has to help. Totally. totally. And, I, and I'd like to throw in, I know you asked me for the, the top thing to do, but it really isn't just a singular approach. I think we really need to bring out introversion into the conversation. And that particularly means with senior leaders. I found that that had an incredible impact in companies. When uh, somebody like a Caroline McGregor at Merck, who I profiled in the book, when she came around and, and talked with different groups about her journey as an introverted leader, and we've had many now saying this and, ta- and be actually coming out and saying introversion is almost the most important identifier, you know, beyond gender, beyond my functional role that I wanna share with you and how that has helped me lead 
and how it's also been challenging and how I've navigated those challenges. And so, you know, David, we learned so much from our mentors and our role models. And I actually witnessed this with Caroline and other people being in companies and watching people just kind of take a sigh of relief when we can see and hear somebody who's like us, who we can connect with, then it gives us permission to be more fully us. And we don't have to feel like we're covering and just you know, pretending that we're extroverted and getting very exhausted each day, trying to be rah-rah. We actually see these people and we can actually be mentored by them. In some cases, they don't even know they're our mentors, right? But we observe them and we see how they function so well. So that was a couple of, I had to throw a few in there because the, you know there were many different approaches in, in, in creating introvert friendly workplaces that I saw effective. And that was probably the number one when leaders came out and shared their story. All right, well, Jennifer Conweiler is our guest talking about creative introvert friendly workplaces. And Jennifer, I wanna uh, ask you, where can people who wanna find your book or connect with you, and we'll get all the links in the show notes and everything, but Thank tell you. us where to go yeah. to. Well, sure. My website is really the, the central hub, David. And so we have uh, four different quizzes on there. People can choose one or all of them if they want to really get a baseline understanding of um, how they're doing in these areas of influence, of getting along with, with the opposite uh, person uh, in leadership and also in their workplace to assess how introvert friendly it is. So they're very short quizzes. So that's where I would send people. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn and um, we've got a lot of free stuff on the con on the website, though. It's jenniferconwaller.com. And it's really been a pleasure. I'm so honored to be on your, your podcast, David. Well, I appreciate you being here. You know, before you go, I, I want to ask you one last question about uh, let's we've talked about things to do. I want to take it the other direction. What are some of are there one or two or three critical frequent mistakes that you see made mm. in terms of the way that leaders do things that make an introvert unfriendly workplace uh, that we want to be sensitive to, be aware yeah. of. I, I want to make sure I'm aware of not doing some of these things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think probably the number one problem that comes that is expressed by introverts about their leaders is that they talk over them, they interrupt, and uh, they don't allow the silence to happen. And so I think particularly this message is for extroverts. We all need to be much more comfortable with embracing silence because nature abhors a vacuum. I believe it was Thoreau who said that. And there will, if you, if you allow the space, introverts are thinking they will speak up. So I think that's the number one thing extroverts can work on. I speak from my own experience. I'm not always perfect at this, believe me, I work on it daily. In fact, my husband and I have a joke when I practice at home, he'll say, he'll sometimes hold up my book and say, read the book, you know, because <laughs> I'm like so enthusiastic, I want to share. But here's the deal, when I show, <laughs> David's left. So when I am quiet though, that's when I learn. If, I could, if we can have the patience to be quiet and your team will so respect that. It, it, and it gets, it's like anything else, it gets easier over time, so. That's what I would say. Embrace the quiet. Learn from the silence, allow people to think, and you're on your way to being the leader you'd want your boss to be. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time with us today. My pleasure, thank you for having me. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.